All right. Welcome to Between Two Pines. Uh, first and foremost, we got myself, uh, Austin, and then uh, my uh, my lovely co-host, uh, Zach. And uh, Zach, I kind of want to bring up for all the listeners here, uh, we apologize for the the uh, hiatus. We've been uh, we haven't been we haven't been recording since I think November. I think you and I both just got so busy between uh, hunting season and having to travel for all the different holidays and a million and one other things that uh, that we just couldn't find the time to do any research and uh, be able to record. But it's 2020 now, and uh, we'll probably be right back on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, getting these out every week for you. And I did want to mention for 2020, for anyone that listens to this, we are looking to get more help from you guys, from our listeners. Uh, if you have any experience in the outdoors, if you're a professional, if you're a hiker, a hunter, a fisherman, a snowmobiler, uh, we'd love to interview you. We'd love to talk to you, and we're hoping to bring more interviews into 2020. Um, but yeah, Zach, I think, uh, I think you can attest we're going to try and be a lot more diligent moving forward here and getting this done every week. Yeah, uh, it's uh, we like doing it. There's sometimes just not enough hours in the day, but you know we're uh, we're gonna really try and buckle down for some high quality content this year. Exactly, exactly. And I'm hoping you know we'll have some interviews coming up here uh, in the future. But uh, like I said, we have not recorded since I think it was November 11th, something like that. Um, Zach. Let's hear it. What's some of the stuff that you've gotten done in the outdoors, hunting, fishing outdoors since basically Thanksgiving? Since Thanksgiving. Uh, boy. I spent a lot of time outside since Thanksgiving. Um, on opening day of Missouri gun season, I shot a doe. Um, I sat for a couple hours and I actually had a guy in orange walk past me 10 minutes after shooting light and sit up in a tree 50 yards away from me. <laughs> um, and were you in orange as well? I don't know what the laws are. Were you bow hunting or, or gun? No, it was opening day of gun season. So um, everyone's in or everyone's got to wear orange. Yep. But uh, so he just moseyed on by. And I mean, it was dark enough where. If I was any less of a hunter, I probably would have shot him thinking he was a deer because <laughs> it was legal time, but you couldn't really see. It was still that dark, dark couple minutes. Yeah. Um, so it just gets light out and I look up and he's just like right there. <laughs> like I just like <laughs> wave to him like, what the hell's your problem? But because yeah. uh, I was like hollering at him and stuff the whole way he was walking and he didn't even bother to look up at me. So what were you saying? Were you like actually hollering at him or were you, were you just like, hey? Hey, you know, doing one of those. <laughs> I said, Hey, hey, I'm up here. Hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, and no response out of him. And he's 10, 15, 20 yards away, walking away from me. And then he just climbs up in this tree, and we're basically like, you know, shaking each other's hands. Yeah. <laughs> Just two uh, old old fellows sitting on the park bench up in the trees at that point. Yeah, we could have we could have almost whispered conversations <laughs> to each other. Excuse me, excuse me, sir. Yes, you, sir. That's walking in front of me, <laughs> sir. Please, sir, sir. For the love of God, 
so anyway, he's uh, he's just sitting there and he's blowing his little buck grunt tube and stuff. And uh, shut the shut the heck up. Shut yeah. up. I'm just letting him do his thing, and uh, my blood's just boiling more and more as time goes by. And shooting time was at like six thirty, and by like nine o'clock, I'm starting to get at just fed up with the whole deal. So I just start kind of like thinking about heading down and there's still, there's a lot of shooting going around. I'm in the Mark Twain national forest. So there's activity around, but not as close as this guy wanted to be with me. (laughs) Um, But so I hear some crashing to my right and there's two does that come out or walk through the woods right next to me. Um, So I pulled up. And I said, good enough for me. Mm-mm. And I picked the bigger one. And I this is the first time I shot my .30-06 at a living animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've only ever shot at paper at like 100 yards before. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it was so close that the crosshairs were shooting over her back. Mm-hmm. Because I just completely whiffed on her. <laughs> And, that and were just, you were you and yours is is it a bolt action or is it semi-auto? It's a bolt action, savage. Oh, so yeah, so it's kind of one and done for the most part. Well, yeah. So I thought so. Uh, it's just a clean miss, and those two deer to have no clue what just happened, and they actually kicked out over to my, my hunting buddy <laughs> hunting right next to me, and uh, I was like, all right, well, he's just gonna shoot him then because it's literally at his tree <laughs> all right under him but he didn't do anything and the deer kind of sensed that he was up there or somebody was around <laughs> so then he, they started moseying back my direction did, did you yell at him you're like hey excuse me there's there's deer right under you sir do, do you sir. want do you want those i'll take i'll take them if you don't want them <laughs> and i'm sure he's just dying laughing this whole time but then they start coming back towards me and it creates like a triangle between me, him, and the deer on the left side of me. And I pull up again and I aim lower this time. And I got it just studied right on like the the heart area. Mm-hmm. And I pull the trigger and all I hear is click. Oh no. Did you and forget to rechamber? I rechambered, but my receiver didn't grab the next bullet. Oh shit. So then I'm sitting there like re-racking like six <laughs> different times. <laughs> trying to get it because it's still i don't think the that rifle doesn't have like 50 rounds through it you know no. i just never used it um so i'm just sitting there going back and forth and back and forth as fast as i can and that deer is just has no clue <laughs> that deer's mind is just traveling through all the layers of the universe at this point <laughs> it's just on cloud or whatever thinking of i don't know a big pile of corn or something <laughs> So then I finally get another bullet in and it's like 30 yards away and I f- touch one off and it's like a perfect heart shot and she just dies right there. Oh, that's well, you know, that's uh, you, you went through trials and tribulations, but you made it work and that's all that matters. Yeah. And then so the guy across from me after that deer died, just gets down real quiet, walks straight in fr- right in front of me and then out back into the by the road. <laughs> so i uh so was he pissed or what i don't know um i really don't know i was happy and that's all i really cared about at that <laughs> point 
So I gutted it and got the heck out of there and butchered her up that night. And then the next weekend I went to Wisconsin for their gun season opener and I missed, I didn't have a gun tag. I just used my bow and we were hunting. I hunted my our bow stand on our property. Um, I missed a doe opening morning because my arrow ricocheted off of the only twig in my line of sight <laughs> that I didn't look at. Yeah. Um, and then there is, I don't even know how many times I could have shot one easily with a gun, but there was just too much brush or they were at like 40, 45 yards and I didn't want to shoot that with my bow. So, but my brother got one. Um, he got a little doe and, you know, it's just can't beat the deer camp with the family. So we did that. Um, and then just kind of a bunch of driving around for Thanksgiving and whatnot. And then in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I got out a little bit for um, beaver trapping. Actually, I caught two nice beavers one morning. Uh, they were dropping a bunch of trees on this farmer's fence. So he wanted those gone. And uh, I love catching beaver it's my favorite thing to trap and <laughs> i gladly helped him out a little bit and um i got two nice ones out of there and uh it took tracy out for a little bit of bow hunting but we just hadn't seen anything in range for her with the crossbow and then christmas and now uh now i've just been kind of going crazy on fur trapping yeah well yeah i've uh you know we may uh We'll see. Maybe we'll post some pictures up, uh, you know, some of the stuff. I saw you got that uh, that gray fox. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that was my first fox. And that those gray foxes are the prettiest animals I've ever seen in person. Oh, yeah. They're, they're gorgeous. Are you going to make a hat out of it? Uh, I got a pretty good wall of fame going with all my pelts for my first. So it's probably going to go up there. Nice, nice, for sure. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, sounds like you've been uh, quite the busy man out in the woods. Yeah, that's uh, that's how I like to stay. And I just got uh, permission on a couple hundred acres for uh, a goose hunt. There's probably a hundred geese or so about a mile from my house using this pasture ground. So I'm hoping to get into that soon. We can shoot geese clear through January into February. Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, and then I got another probably 300 acres of private ground. I'm looking to start trapping pretty hard now and just uh, just kind of going through the motions of trying to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, keeping at her, keeping at her. Nice. That's awesome. So, yeah, what about you? Um, I uh, What have I done? Uh, I mean, I, I hunted uh, during gun season. Um I was not fortunate. Well, I had one deer I possibly could have shot, but I did not have a, a good shot at it at all. Um, I saw some deer. Unfortunately, those deer, dude, they know it. I was hunting that. Uh, I was hunting VUA land, um, which for those of you that don't know, in Wisconsin, that's uh, volunteer. What is it? Volunteer use Voluntary access access program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, which it's marked, it's clearly marked by signs where the property line ends, where you can hunt. And yeah, sure as hell, there's literally like 10 does just standing like 20 yards into the the no shoot zone. I was like, you little buggers. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm over there, come here, 
come here. <laughs> They're just looking at me. They totally knew what was up. I was like, come here. <laughs> Shake the corn bag a little bit. Yeah, yeah I'm over there. I'm like, I got corn for you. They're just looking. I got damn it. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I did that. I, I was not fortunate enough to uh, to get a deer, but um, I was fortunate enough to be a uh, a beggar and get some venison off some friends of mine. Um, so I did, uh, which maybe at the end here, yeah, that's what we'll do today. We'll talk about maybe at the end all of the, the recipes that we cooked over the holidays because I got some good ones that I've been cooking. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I did that, and then um, – you know, between then and now, I really have not done a lot. I went snowshoeing through the Nicolay National Forest. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, did about five miles uh, through the, the Nicolay. That was a lot of fun across the lakes and everything else. Um, I got some snowshoes, so I'm thinking, uh, you know, that might become a, a, you know, a hobby of mine over the winter. Um, but most of my time... Um, has been uh, mostly working on my snowmobile, honestly. So those of you uh, that snowmobile, I'm a big snowmobiler. So I went up north. Uh, we did some snowmobiling over uh, right before New Year's. So we got, a, you know, probably about 100, eh, no, not that many, maybe 50 miles in. Uh, the trails were kind of clapped out because it's been like rain, snow, heat, cold. So the, the trails are kind of clapped out. But the roads, road riding was awesome. Cause they got like, you know, eight, 10 inches of fresh powder on a lot of these, uh, non plowed roads. So we rode, we, uh, road road or road on the roads and, uh, road, yeah, road, so road, your boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, so yeah, we had a great time doing that. I could post some pictures from that. Um, but yeah, I've been just working on my snowmobile a lot. I got a lot of new gear for Christmas, so I'm looking to, uh, to really, um, you know, get that into action. I'm hoping to do some ice fishing this weekend. Uh, yeah, some other stuff, but yeah, no, I, I haven't been out a whole heck of a lot. It's just been a real busy time between travel and a million and one other things, but tomorrow I'll be snowboarding, be snowmobiling a lot coming up here, all sorts of stuff. So we'll, uh, we'll get at it. Um, so, I mean, that covers what we've done in the last month. Zach's done a lot more than me, but we've been here, just been busy with, uh, you know, working a million other things, but, uh, we're back at it. So, Zach, uh, as per our standard operating procedure, uh, I kind of want to get into some uh, some news articles here. Uh, so, wh- where do you want to start, Zach? I'll let you lead us into this. Uh, let's talk about this uh, lucky young gal that, uh, what do you want to say? She, intent- she unintentionally got uh, quite the story to tell. Yeah, exactly. So, Zach, do you kind of want to lead us into what happened here? Yeah, so basically, uh, this 14-year-old girl from... uh, Mataya. Old Mataya. Mataya. 14-year-old Mataya. She's definitely white. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, From north of Sturgeon Bay, happened to uh, have... A buck walk out in front of her. It looks like she's shooting a nice raven crossbow. Um, and she decided that was the deer she wanted to shoot. And she pulled the trigger. And basically, every uh, outdoor person's dream, it deflected off of what that deer that she shot at's ribs. 
and sliced conveniently sliced <laughs> the neck of another deer, thus bringing both to uh, a very nice and effective death. Jesus. Yeah, I read this, and uh, yeah, boy, was I salty about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she gets a double kill on this. And you know what first came to my mind on this? Was and and I'd have to look. I'd have to double check for that county because uh, I I don't know. It doesn't say where. Oh, she was north of Sturgeon, Sturgeon Bay. So, so that'd be Door County. Yeah. So I don't know what the uh, the buck harvest laws are for that sector. But I was wondering. I was like, what if you only have one buck tag? And then she blasts the one and gets two bucks. Yeah, I know a couple guys that that's happened to. And I mean, if you call the warden quick, uh, stuff happens. And usually, if you call them quick enough that they can get the meat kind of processed and donated, then, you know, it stuff happens, but then you can still utilize the meat and not try and hide anything. And, you know. Yeah, but by judging how publicized this uh, this story was, I'm guessing that there you could harvest more than one. Uh, yeah, or- Door County is ridiculous. I think you get four doe tags with your purchase. Really, yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, because she could have uh, technically probably utilized the group hunting laws and uh, used somebody else's tag on one of those. Yeah, I don't know what that what the that entails for uh, archery season. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. If this was, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting, but yeah, big ups to uh, Mattia. If I may, if I may quote Mattia, quote. I was like in shock, unquote. <laughs> well, M- Mattia, I was also like in shock when I read this. <laughs> Very well put. Uh, I yes, uh, when I read this, but yeah, two actually. I mean, decent look like some uh, healthy deer from the picture. Maybe we'll uh, we'll post this picture up. Uh, actually, we definitely will post this picture up. But yeah, insane, insane story. Good, good for her. I'm sure. I, I don't know that this is her first year, but definitely a uh, an experience that uh that she'll remember for sure uh one that we all hope strive strive to achieve um but yeah zach i'll i'll bring us i'll bring us into this next article um zach as most if anyone has listened to any of our other podcasts we'll just reiterate zach and i are both from the chicagoland area um and I think you and I have spent a fair amount of time on the lake, uh, on, uh, you know, on the lakefront on Lake Michigan at one point or another. Um, there's this article from CBS local of just hordes of raccoons <laughs> just <laughs> have taken over the lakefront <laughs> hordes of raccoons. And I'm sure people have seen, there's been some viral pictures, uh, plenty of memes about it, but yes, there's just hordes of very thick raccoons just hanging out on the lake shore. Oh, they're and, thick. Uh, they are thick. And uh, I, I found some other articles about it, which kind of cracked me up. Uh, but people are going and feeding these raccoons, and there's this lovely older gentleman. Uh, I don't think they mentioned his actual name in the article. Um, but, yeah, he just lets the raccoons crawl all over him. Chicago raccoons. Oh, dear God. Um, Those gross feet. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, just been suckling on hypodermic needles all day. (laughs) And then it just crawls all over. 
and he said he's been doing it for years and they won't bite him. Um, they know him. They climb on him, as uh, as the quote was in the article, and he never got bitten or something. God, I love these quotes. They're so <laughs> delightful. Um, but I was reading another article that was talking as the Chicago Park District, and basically they said, that because people are feeding these hordes of raccoons, it's now bringing in hordes of coyotes. <laughs> literal, it's like gang violence. Just, you know, Chicago, Chicago, of just maulings inside of Chicago parks where droves of, uh, droves of roving coyotes are attacking these, uh, these gangs of raccoons. It's hordes of the rapture. It's coming to Chicago. <laughs> oh, but good freaking Lord. You know, I don't know what's going through this guy's head. I, I know there's plenty of pigeon people in Chicago, which to each their own. But uh, raccoons, that's a whole nother, whole nother level. Uh, Zach, let me ask you this. Is there any animal that you could think of? What's one animal that you would not let crawl on you? A wild animal. That I would not let? Yeah, so you would not let crawl on you. Uh, you know, raccoons are a pretty good <laughs> one. Um, I just I get weary about uh, you know, skunks, possums, things like that. Um, but for, like for sure, not crawl on me. I, I I don't want any wild animals crawling on me. How's that? That's uh. Well, well put, you know, I, you know, I'm going to have to say, I wouldn't mind, you know, like a, a flying squirrel, maybe a little chipmunk crawling me. I give him a little handful of peanuts or something. I'm like, oh, cute. <laughs> One thing I do not want near me, near me. And I've had to rescue these animals before and I, they are disgusting is possums. And I will not, I will get a flag for that. I do not want their grubby little star-shaped hands <laughs> touching anything near me. Their hands then, are like a, a human claymation hand. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a, if you made a, a claymation of a person, its hand is how a person's <laughs> hand looks. It's freaky and disgusting, and I'm out on possums. Uh, hot take, I'm out on possums. If one comes near me, I'm I'm out. I'm out. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. They they all carry nasty stuff. They they don't need to be anywhere near humans and in numbers like that. Oh yeah, God no. Yeah, they're disgusting cretins and yeah, but uh, you know, big ups to this guy. He's he's doing what none of us uh want or need to do. So, you know, I guess good on him. Uh but don't feed the wildlife and uh don't make droves of uh wild coyotes uh, attack uh, fat possums. So um, what's the next one we got here? Zach, did you see th- this picture on this next article? Yes. I didn't look too much into it, but this looks like a good old boy that's just doing good old boy things. Yes. And this uh, this is out there. This, uh, you know, we should start a new topic. Uh, I know a lot of people have Florida man. Uh, we should start doing Wisconsin man because this is – Arguably the most Wisconsin thing I've seen in a long time. Um, So uh, we'll post a picture, but long story short, uh, there was a gentleman, a nice Wisconsin man uh, that uh, decided, you know, he wanted to go rip his sled. He wanted to go rip his snowmobile and he was going to do it by any means necessary. 
and he put he's his. From, uh, I, sorry, just want to make a quick cor- correction. He's from Lamont, Illinois. Oh gosh, figures, figure. <laughs> oh, even yep, yep, even worse. So yeah, so he's going up to Bessemer. So he's going up to the UP. But he was uh, he was seen throughout Wisconsin. There's pictures of him. It was like uh, you know, seeing the the uh, Oscar Mayer weenie mobile. There was pictures posted up of his entire journey of people seeing him on the road and taking pictures. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's got the snowmobile, looks like, uh, about a 1999 Polaris Indy, probably, uh, Indy 500. Tried and he true. Just, uh, tried and true. Uh, you know, he, uh, he decided rather than put this thing on a trailer, he just slapped it right on the roof of his, uh, of his, uh, Chevy sedan. He's got it right on top there. What kind of car is this? It looks it's a like 2005 a- Chevy Malibu. Hell yes. And that thing's got some sag about <laughs> having a snowmobile strapped to the roof. And Zach, um, I don't know this guy. I've never met this guy. But what do you think is the phrase that he uttered after tightening down that last, that last ratchet strap? <laughs> he said, I'm just going to send it. See, you know. You were close there, but you know what he said, just like any good man that has tightened down anything with a ratchet strap. He said, That's this thing ain't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, definitely, it was uh, followed, pro- likely followed up uh, with, eh, I'm just going to send it. Yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it is hilarious, uh, and I respect this guy because I have a five-foot bed on my truck, and I fit my entire snowmobile in there, and half of it sticks out, but sometimes... You just got to send it. And I respect that. So this guy, uh, what's his name here? Uh, Tommy. Tommy Metcher. Good old Tommy Metcher from Lamont. Lamont High. Class of 2010. Uh, He, uh, yeah, strapped this thing on there. And we respect you, Tommy. Hats off. By any means necessary. Love to buy you a beer, Tommy. Yes, Tommy, if you listen to this, we'd love to buy you a beer. Uh, Might add you on Facebook and uh, get you to come on and, and tell us the story of the snowmobile. But let's uh, let's get on, uh, Zach. Uh, you want to move into the main topic here? Yeah. Um, you want to go right into ice fishing, or you want me to bring up some trap and stuff quick? Uh, yeah. Why don't you why don't you bring up some trap and stuff here first, so we can get into some ice fishing. <coughs> God Great. bless you. Um. So yeah, lately I have been uh, fur trapping. On uh, some public and private ground, I try and I try and fur trap a little bit every year. Um, it's starting to become more and more of an obsession with me, which is a very bad thing because that means I spend way too much money on it and way too much time doing it. But nonetheless, it keeps me out of trouble, and uh, you know I feel like if you can if you can trap if you can track and trap an animal, then I think you pretty much got it. The woods figured out. And I'm not, I'm not that great by any means, but I mean, just going out there and being able to chase critters around a little differently than hunting and being able to uh, use sign and tracks and things like that and scat to, to pursue them differently than just seeing them as a, uh, pretty exciting waking up every morning and going and checking your line wondering if you got something or not and the only way that you can um you could track with uh scat is if you eat it right 
That's right. Figure out, figure out what they ate last, and then uh, then you hone in on that area of whatever whatever you just ate. Call it the yeah, secondary so- harvest. <laughs> secondary harvest. You're like a a sommelier. Like, yeah. Mm, you swish around in your teeth a little bit, and then you know, really, ooh, berries, and then uh, then you know where they're at. That's right. Um, right. But yeah, so so uh, I mean, did you want to did you want to touch on any of the kind of techniques that you're you're looking for? And I know I'll be honest with the the listeners, I know nothing about trapping. I couldn't trap my way out of a wet paper bag. So Zach is definitely the expert on this. Um, but what some things, as far as indicators, uh, you know that you're looking for? And what? Well, I guess first off, what's your target species? So right now I have a bunch of dry land sets. I'm trying to get uh, predators, so coyotes, bobcats, foxes, and then I also just have like some some more general sets for like coons, possums, uh, skunks, you know, anything like that as well. Um, they vary a little bit from like so coyotes like to cover a big long distance, so any like two-track road or you know mode trail or power line crossing all these different predators like coyotes and foxes they love just cruising those things all all day and or all night you know all week long so it's good to set up uh well it's, it's called a dirt hole set it's probably the most popular one but basically I'm, you punch your, what does that mean oh sorry yes go ahead you basically punch a hole into the ground, preferably not straight up and down, but if you can find any bit of slope, punch a hole into that slope, and then uh, you bury a foothold trap a couple inches back from that hole. And in the wild, coyotes kind of dig holes and stash stuff in there, and then they'll come back and check it throughout the the length of whatever they stashed is. And... Uh, you can have like a you can have like a backing to it too. So like sometimes I'll put like a little cobble size, like baseball sized rock right on top of that hole, so they can't come from behind it and not work where my trap is at. So to make them kind of uh, approach it the right way, yeah, yeah. And then it's real tricky too with like predators because. You can't have any wiggle in your trap, so when you bed it down into the ground and cover it up, if there's any sort of like wobble to it, that those coyotes and foxes are so light on their front feet that they can sense that little bit of wobble when they put their paw on the trap, and they'll just pick their paw up and they're out of there. So I mean, it's really? they're real particular. Um, you know, I've seen where coyotes actually. A couple of days in a row, a coyote will run the same track. And when I say that, I mean literally that coyote will put his feet in the exact same place every single day, like through the snow. It looks like one set of coyote tracks went through there once, but one coyote might have ran through there three days in a row. He just puts his foot in the same exact spot every single time. Really? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I mean, I know that... Um... Most of the, at least the, the, the canine like animals, even though I guess foxes are probably, I think they're more related to a cat than they are to a, uh, no, no. Are they canines? Uh, they're, they're kind of their own thing. I think they're more related to, uh, I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm not, what do I got a degree in biology? Yeah, they're Jesus. not. They're not either. But I think they're very vaguely related to both of them, kind of. So no, they're in uh, Canada. So yeah, so they are. Yeah, they're they're within the the uh, the same family. Um, but yeah, they're yeah the yeah. So they're 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 in the canine or can can Canada day uh boy family <laughs> yeah boy yeah that was spanish <laughs> but yeah no that that's interesting I, I know a lot of the the canine like species are pretty particular at least in the wild but that's interesting that they're that persnickety uh with walking in their same footprints and i mean um can you explain to me and i've seen some of i've seen some of the videos of uh like uh, animals, mostly beavers, that actually get like frozen into the ice after being trapped. Can you can you explain that a bit? Uh, yeah, like it just depends on your sets, but like if you have, if you set like a big con bear trap, which is basically like for a beaver, it's a body gripping trap that they swim through and it grabs their grips their body at the back of the neck and at the spine. Um, it's just, if you're trapping in freezing conditions, you want to open up that water. Um, and then it's just, if it's cold enough, it's going to freeze back up overnight, but you just want those beavers to know that there's some closer to being open water by your trap. And then they come investigate it. And then just throughout the process of being caught and sitting overnight, then ice just happens to form or like for muskrat trapping and stuff guys punch holes just right into a lake and then they get their traps like right under like they make almost like an ice fishing hole and Mm -hmm. then they shove their sets down beneath the ice and then every day they just come chip that hole open pull up the trap see if they got a muskrat or not Hmm. it's real it's real cool because like if you have really nice clear ice and you're trapping muskrats or beavers, they swim under the ice, they release a bubble trail and you can literally follow that bubble trail from them swimming and just breathing out oxygen. And you could set a trap right on that bubble trail on the bottom of the lake or marsh or whatever. And that's their trail that they run. So that's where you're going to catch them at. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And then, so when you're looking and uh, I know, like, something that we used to look for is for nuisance uh, wildlife, like for uh, for beavers. When we get nuisance beavers, um, we would, uh, you know, we'd look for beaver slides. I mean, what are some of the terrestrial aspects that you're looking for? Uh, you know, if you can pretty well bet that if you have a, a open enough area or enough places to roam you're just gonna have coyotes around um whether they're whether you're trapping a 500 acre parcel and they live on the place or 40 acres and they come through every now and again um i mean if you have openings if you have woods you can pretty well bet there's coyotes somewhere around um i know i've trapped another guy who's had uh, chicken coops you, and there you trapped a man you trapped a man yeah i did <laughs> fur is no good on a man um, yes but like he had chicken coops so i knew uh 
yeah, he was all his chickens were dying, so I just figured that fox and coons and stuff like that, and that's ended up what it was being that was getting his chickens and just get the right food source, get the right cover and the right habitat, and uh, you know, bobcats out in the in the deeper woods where you don't really see way too many coyotes and then coyotes kind of in that woods and open field interface and then gray foxes and more wooded areas and then red foxes and more like grassy or hay field areas and coons kind of everywhere in between and along river banks and creek beds and you know it's just uh once you get the habitat down then you can kind of hone in on uh, food sources and stuff like that and what's uh speaking of food sources um and it sounds like with the footholds and everything else are you doing any baiting is that is that legal for trapping i don't uh i don't really know exactly how it works yeah so like with my uh dirt holes i have this stuff uh it's by dunlap lures it's called the hellfire and it's just they call it a long call smear and it's basically 100% skunk essence mixed with petroleum jelly. And you just, at your dirt hole, you just find like a rock or a limb or a piece of grass and you smear that on there. And that's just going to get every every predator in the neighborhood interested. Like, okay, I smell, I'm smelling a little something. Um, I'm going to go check out what, what's going on over there. Um, and then, depending on what I'm really targeting, like I have coyote urine coyote uh s barely i have like coyote urine uh fox glands um you know just a bunch of jarred stuff that produces smell like that bobcat glands beaver caster um so i'll throw kind of a cocktail in because critters just come and want to investigate you know um whether it be i mean bobcats love eating beavers so if i'm setting up specifically who for who hey, doesn't honestly <laughs> i'll tell you what <laughs> that's good stuff um but i'll set like if i if i want to catch a bobcat then i'll set like bobcat gland mixed with a beaver caster or if i'm doing like a coyote set i'll do that skunk long call lure mixed with my canine uh gland lure and then I will throw a little bit out of all the deer I processed. I uh, saved some of the scrap and just threw it in the freezer. And so I'll just take that out and thaw a little bag of it. And then I'll just throw a little bit in. There is restrictions on how close you can set to like carcasses and stuff. Um, but just a little bait like that where the chances of catching like, you know, eagles or non-target stuff is real low. Um, mm-hmm. That's okay. And then like, the beaver I caught, a couple of beavers that I caught, I processed some of that for for my food, and then I processed some of that for other fur, fur bear food for more of my baits. Yeah, and then I and, saved uh, all the caster glands out of my beavers, too, for for bait, too. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting to me. Um, you know, using the essences, uh, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the castor oils and things like that, they're a very pungent odor, and they're actually used in a lot of perfumes and musks, um, not only for um, 
for you know hunting but for actual like perfumes that you know a woman would wear or a man i don't know it's 2020 wear whatever you want <laughs> um, yeah uh, they extract but, that they extract that sticky chemical proc compound that makes you know the just that smell stick to your nose and then yeah like you're saying they use that for a lot of uh different kind of scents for perfumes and whatnot yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting to me how um, you know, and I, I think any any person would realize how sensitive most wild animals are to scents. But these predatory animals may not necessarily be going, uh, you know, they're going towards a smell. I guess I guess in my mind, I wouldn't think of a, you know, a coyote going towards the the smell of a skunk, but you know, it seems as though that that they are. Yeah, I mean, they're just curious. They want to go investigate. They want to check out what's going on, you know, if they can get an easy meal or free meal or if somebody's moving in on the spot that they like to be at. or you know, They're just curious. So, um, And these scents, too, it's amazing how small you should use because if you over-scent your set as well, then you're going to blow everything out. So I use... Like, seriously, when I say, like, a smear, it's, like, smaller than your fingernail, like, just a little bit. And, you know, a week later, I'll still be catching stuff at my sets. Really? Yeah, that's crazy how that stuff holds up. But, yeah, I I remember a, uh, I mean, pretty much I think most mammals have some sort of scent gland. Um, I remember we had an incident uh, while working as a ranger where we had a, um, a possum that, uh, that was burned pretty severely in a, uh, in a fire and we, uh, we pulled it out and, um, we, you know, obviously brought it to a, uh, a wild, a wildlife care facility. Um, but the, <laughs> we wrapped it in a blanket and, uh, the ranger that ended up bringing it there, put it in her truck and, uh, <sighs> Jesus, that thing squirted something out of it. Uh, that's that truck, uh, stunk, stunk <laughs> like a burnt possum that squirted juice out of itself in that truck. <laughs> that's what it smelled like. Oh, uh, yeah. They, uh, they all, they all kind of have something going on with them. <laughs> yeah. So for those uh, at home, if, uh, you know, just be thankful that you've never had to smell that smell, a partially burnt possum. That squirted juice onto your seat and your ranger truck. That is a fun smell to have in there for like three weeks. Yeah, yeah. But, and, I mean, that's. Uh, if, I just love getting out there and chasing critters around, and this is a pretty neat way to get out and explore new areas and learn stuff. And I mean, like I'm saving. You know, I when I went to set to try and catch a bobcat last month. I saw, I don't even know how many scrapes in this one area. So I'm storing that in the back of my mind. And, you know, it's all just big scouting trip, big uh, trapping trip. And it's just all just, just good stuff to kind of know. Yeah. Um, Then the downside to all that sometimes too is uh, two weeks ago, I checked all my sets and I get to my last one. I got all excited. I saw something running around in it and I get up to it. It's my neighbor. It's the neighbor of the property owner I'm trapping on's 80 pound German shepherd in my trap. Oh shit. 
So that was a real uh, debacle trying to get that stupid thing out. But <laughs> I, f- I finally made like a catch pole out of some conduit and some rope. And I called uh, just a guy I knew in town to just give me a second set of hands to help. And he was in and out of the trap in probably four or five, four hours at most. So it wasn't bad. He got a broken toe or two, but it'll be fine. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, huh. that's that's insane. I mean, I'm fortunate for the dog, but, you know. All right. So, Zach, um, if you could kind of touch on those that are trying to get into trapping or, you know, it's something that interests them, what's kind of the, the order of things that they should do? Um, I know that there's some licensing, some gear that they need, and, uh, you know, some some tips for the beginner. Yeah, sure. Um problem with trapping is you need so much shit to just get started but once you finally have like a base layer of stuff you can get rolling pretty easily um you need your fur bear license for any state um they're usually pretty cheap i think missouri's for a resident is 10 bucks and you can trap all you want with that um there's no like limits or anything for most species down here, but like otters and bobcats in different states, you'd have to check your regulations and methods, but just, just read the regs on that. Um, and is there any, I know in Wisconsin, I think you actually have to take a class to get your fur bear license. Is that correct? Yep. You got to take a fur bear trapping course, trapper safety course. Um, the last two states I've lived in, you haven't. Iowa or Missouri, you don't need it. Um, and I don't know how well they transfer over. If you take it in Wisconsin, I don't know if it transfers to a different state if you move. But, uh, I mean, it's just a day or so. So that, that's not a big deal. Um, I will plug F&T uh, Trapping Supplies. Uh, they have like awesome starter kits for whatever you want to get started on. And I mean, it's like, I think as much as 200 bucks for a good starter kit, but. um, And so for someone that, you know, is looking for stuff, what's some key items that you need? Well, it depends on what you want to trap. If you want to trap like coyotes, foxes and, you know, stuff like that, then you just need, the right uh the right sized footholds so like a number two or number three uh offset jaw foothold trap uh bridger mb 550s stuff like that would be good uh if you want to do like coons and you would need some dog proof traps and maybe some smaller like one and a half foot footholds for crick sets and stuff um so just kind of trap specific it just depends on what you want beavers you need bigger traps for those big back feet and those big front feet and stuff like that and muskrats and stuff you need smaller traps than the raccoons and stuff so i would just do research on what you actually want to get after or if you unless you want to get after everything then just buy a little bit of it all that's kind of what i did um but then like a bunch of rebar stakes or earth anchors i started using earth anchors a lot um, and and that, uh, those are just those corkscrews that you drive into the ground, right? Uh, yeah, this mine kind of looked like a flat arrowhead, and it's hooked in the middle, 
of the arrowhead and you drive it into the ground and then when you pull it it kind of turns sideways instead of you drive it straight up and down but then when you pull it up it turns sideways okay and i mean you're not pulling that out in most cases um i use a pickaxe to get mine out to reuse them but they're it's like 13 bucks for a dozen or even less maybe like eight bucks for a dozen i don't know they're cheap um but then yeah i mean good set of gloves uh if you're doing a lot of land trapping like a good sifter box to make sure you get your fine dirt on top of your trap that you can pack down and then uh you know it's it's a lot of just uh research and figuring out which animals you want to actually do but then you go after your lures and your baits and stuff like that and you know it's uh it's just a bunch of looking up i mean there's a million videos on youtube and that's kind of how i learned along with some mentors but there's just thousand and one different right ways to trap a critter and that's kind of what i like about it too is you get to be pretty creative about it Hmm. yeah well that's uh yeah that's some uh some good advice um i mean would there be anything that you could uh that you could recommend um you know kind of your one-off uh you know your one tip and i know we kind of do this on a lot of different hunting topics but if you had you know one tip to give somebody that is uh looking to get into trapping what what would the the big takeaway be i would find find somebody that traps and walk their line with them or or just just bring a bunch of different questions to the table for them um but that i think that is the most important piece is to find somebody else that traps because it's just a lot of it's just visual like you can hear about you know betting a trap a million times but until you see somebody bed their trap it's kind of hard to uh actually get your hands dirty and do it when you don't really know what you're doing so i'd say that's the most important thing but then there's youtube videos like i said and i mean you just just all the technical stuff is what you really need to hone in on yeah no that uh, that makes a lot of sense um, and then kind of to, to wrap this up, what's, uh, you know, trapping is obviously there's a sport to it and you just do it because you enjoy it. But what's, uh, what's some of the stuff that you could take away and uh, how do you utilize these animals after they've been uh, trapped and dispatched? Yeah, I mean, I do it because I enjoy it and I do it because I get something out of it. That's awesome, real durable leather and fur from it. So you can sell it right now. Um, you know, it's the fur market is in the crapper. So it's kind of hard to, which is another reason why it's great to start trapping right now is because the market's so bad that nobody's out there doing it, you know. Um, but right now, I mean, I think last year in North Iowa, I got anywhere from five to 12 bucks for a coon and then, anywhere from like three to 10 bucks for beavers. And that's just what the fur market is right now. Coyotes are still holding pretty strong. I think it's a couple 20, 30 bucks for a coyote, uh, depending on size and quality of fur. But what I'm going to do this year is I got a a new fleshing knife. So I'm going to start 
scraping off all my coons that I caught and that are in the freezer right now, uh, scraping the fat off, stretching them out and tanning them. And I'm going to actually start using the fur and leather for my personal use. So I'm going to try mittens. I'm going to try, you know, like throw pillows on the couch. Um, just, just simple stuff like that, that, that actually will get use or get, uh, you know, something outside of getting three bucks for it when I sell it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that, that, I mean, touched on it for sure. Um, I mean, any, any last points that you wanted to add? Uh, I don't know. It, there's so much, uh, I don't know, moral dilemmas with it, I guess, but it's necessary. Um, if, you, if you don't trap, at least support trappers because you see more and more every day coyotes getting into suburban neighborhoods and, you know, coons getting into downtown Chicago and stuff like that. So it stops disease. It, it helps out, you know, all the other wildlife that, these predators eat nests of birds and stuff like that. And they just need to be managed the same. And that's how we do it. So, I mean, it, it trapping, it was the founder of the westward expansion of America. It kind of, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of historical meaning to it. And there's a lot of uh, use that it can still be used for today. Yeah, no, it's a good point. We talked about trapping, and I think you made some really good points, getting some uh, good stuff to beginners and kind of how to <clears throat> how to get into things overall. Um, but I think uh, for those that want to get into it, I think it's a great thing. I totally agree with you. There is a bit of a an ethical dilemma or a moral dilemma, and I've I've uh, you know I've thought about getting into trapping, and you know for me, I've just kind of. You know, it's just not, it's just not for me. And, uh, I absolutely respect, uh, trappers and, uh, and I see the need for it, but you know, it's not for me, but I'm not going to go out and, uh, protest what anyone else is doing because it definitely serves a, a conservation, uh, purpose. Um, yeah, as long as you're not dumping fake buckets of blood on anybody, then we'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if you have your concerns, I think it would be a good thing for anyone that's listening to this and may not, um, may not uh, uh, support trapping or like the idea of it, I, I think it would be beneficial to talk to a trapper and, you know, ask them why they do this and, you know, the benefits of, of trapping and, and why they do it. I think it's good uh, to hear other people's opinions and it may not sway you one way or another, but at least you can uh, get somebody's opinion and, and respect them for their, you know, their intentions. Um, but uh, I, Oh, we can uh, we can roll in here, um, Zach. Uh, you know, we've been doing this, or you know, we we can uh, we've been doing this for a while now. Maybe we can talk on some of the stuff that we you know got a, got for Christmas gifts here. But we'll roll right right into uh, hot gear, cold beer. So Zach, I'm sure you got a list a mile long. But uh, what's some hot gear that you're looking forward to using? Hot gear is a little different today it's not for necessarily for outdoor stuff right now um but this kind of ties into some christmas stuff we'll talk about too i got an electric smoker and uh 
boy, howdy. Let me tell you, one of the best things possible if you got a deer in the freezer is to get an electric smoker because it is it, it turns the meat unreal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the smoker. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so big fan of that. Uh, another thing, too, if I might do two hot gears, uh, the Tezark, what, what's the name of that backpack? Tenzing. Tenzing. Shouts out to the Plano Outlet Store, Plano, Illinois. Um, Which we can touch on that. Zach and I, we made a trip. We made a, a business trip to Plano, Illinois, and went to the Plano Outlet Store, and I blacked out <laughs> for about <laughs> half an hour and spent way more money than I needed to. But good Lord, that place was amazing. Yeah. Uh, strictly business going on in there. Um, I mean, hundred dollar tackle boxes for ten bucks. It if you if you ever have a chance, go to the Plano Outlet Store. Uh, I got that Tenzing backpack. I actually loaded it up with a bunch of crap and went out on a still hunt with the muzzle how loader. Awesome. And how how awesome is that bag? It is unreal. It, there's so much space in it, and that little tiny frame does a lot of the the brunt work for me lugging it around yeah i also have a tensing bag tensing please sponsor us um please i also have i have the three-day pack which i think is the next model up from yours the next bigger size um and oh my gosh that thing has been through hell and high water and not a scuff on it yeah great pack great store go check out plano outlet store um plano sponsor us Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, you got any more? I mean, you can rattle some of them off because I'm sure you got some more. We got, uh, I mean, we, well, you didn't buy too much stuff over at that store. I went, I went nuts, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I bought just a little, uh, a little toolbox. It's been suiting me real well for just jumping around on my trapping sets. Um, Christmas. I also, uh, Got the Sitka Hudson jacket, which holy balls. Uh, I wish I didn't live where it is summer all year long because it's an awesome jacket, but um, can't wait to get that out and use it. Um, Gosh, I don't know what else. I can't think of too much right now, but I got that fleshing knife that's going to allow me to, you know, actually process all my furs. you know, just a bunch of stuff. I just, if I get stuff, it's because I want to use the shit out of it, you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, just a bunch of smaller stuff like that, too. And then for my cold beer, um, I went to Aldi's. If you're not familiar with Aldi's, it's the greatest grocery store in the world. You have to box your own goods, and you, I will fight an old lady for a box. <laughs> oh, if that box cart comes down my aisle, I am sprinting to it and just grabbing that whole cart of boxes. But uh, I went there today, and I got like a 20-inch pizza for $5. And then this six-pack caught my eye. It is a Mary Berry Ale. And just let me read the description. It's an ale inspired by the sweet flavors of French pastry, smooth and complex. 
uses blueberry, raspberry, and blackberry mashed together for a bold, deep red beer. And it's not like a, it's not like a cider or something. It's like an actual beer. It's just a fruitier. It's fruitier, and it's yeah. it's pretty awesome. Nice, nice, and it's Aldi brand. Yeah, um, I think down here they use the. It's from the St. Louis brewery, Schlafly. I'm sure you totally. Am <laughs> I drank all six? I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay, S C H L A F L Y. Yeah, Schlafly. Schlafly. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Tomato, potato. Yeah. Um, Great beer. But, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Aldi, Aldi, I was just there this week. Great stuff. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Well, uh, this week, uh, or you want me to get into mine, or you got any other ones? I'm, I've done enough talking for now. You, you let me, you tell me all about what you got. <laughs> so I got, I went, uh, I had a very, um, you know, I felt like a kid again this Christmas, and, you know, I was blessed uh, to have some very, generous family members that got me a lot of uh cool stuff for christmas um but i got basically almost all of my things that i got for christmas this year were all hunting related um one of the big ones that i'm excited about and i got the the box actually i got the box sitting right here is uh i got uh which they're from some off brand but they'll work all the same i've tested them out and i'm excited to get them out into the field um, but one big thing, and I'm someone that suffers already um, from some minor hearing loss from guns and heavy equipment and working around engines and doing a million and one things that kill my ears. Um, but I got a set of over-the-ear um, hearing protection, but they're the electronic ones. So I'm really excited to use them for duck hunting, and I'm going to see how effective they are. Because you could still hear ambient noise, but it basically just blocks out any gunshots or anything like that. Yeah. What what brand do you have? Mine's called Awsafe. Okay. Awsafe. Yeah, I think they're kind of an off brand, but um, you know, nonetheless, I, I you know, it's uh, they look at their quality. You know, they seem like they're well built and pretty quality stuff. So uh, I'm excited to use those. Yeah, I have um, the the walkers. And they're basically the same thing. And if you turn that, if you turn that sucker up as far as high as it goes, you can actually hear better than without anything on. Yeah, that's kind of what it seemed like. Yeah, it's um, yeah. So I'm excited to use those. Um, but uh, yeah, some of the I got some uh, nice new uh, you know gut a set of uh, gutting knives from uh, Elk Ridge um you know to field dress deer so i got like a skinning knife a bone saw and a, like a flaying knife um i'm excited to use those um big one that i got is i got a new ice shanty so did you what what kind yeah, you get i think it's an eskimo nice pop up yeah. or flip over uh pop up nice so, which will be, uh, I think that'll be nice, uh, you know, to be able to bring that out and uh, use that thing. So, um, yeah, that'll be good. Uh, but, yeah, I got a bunch of other stuff. Uh, you know, I like uh, Zach said, I went kind of nuts at the Plano Outlet Store and spent way more money than I should have. But I, I cleaned house. Um, Can't take so it with you. 
Yeah, exactly. So I got a lot of stuff, which I'll, I'll talk about some of the stuff as I use it. But um, yeah, and as far as the cold beer, as many of you already know, I'm not much of a beer drinker. So I will rate a, or I will talk about a liquor. And uh, I did want to pose or say that Zach, and you don't even know this, um, I'm actually doing a sober January. Uh, yeah, so, so um, if, you know, you see me looking depressed and <laughs> walking into oncoming traffic, you know why it is. Uh, it's because I have not had an ounce of alcohol since, um, since uh, New Year's. So, uh, but... Uh, in in the you know in uh, the festivities for New Year's one I did want to touch on and it is a Wisconsin specialty I wanted to touch on or uh, uh, give forward for my cold beer or cold drink is Dubouche's Blackberry <laughs> Brand and it is the sweet nectar of the gods you got you got a cold you got the flu you got uh, a mouse sore you got upset stomach. You got a broken ankle. Doesn't matter. Drink some of that. It will cure you. That was your bread and butter. Bread and butter back in the college days. No, bread and butter back in the college days. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a Polish tradition and very much a part of the Wisconsin culture. Here's uh, blackberry brandy, also known as Vishnufka. And I will not support any other brand besides Dubouche's. But it is delicious, and I recommend it to anyone. You know, nice little snip before you go to bed that'll knock you right out. Dubouchers can go ahead and sponsor us, too. Yes, literally any item that we <laughs> say here is sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. But, Zach, I did want to add, and I know we're going a little long here, but that's okay. So, Zach, I did want to touch on, and maybe we could add this as a reoccurring segment, What's some recipes that you cooked over the over the winter the winter holidays uh, for wild game? Oh man, I had two in mind that I was real excited to tell someone about. So here we go. Uh, I did a I took about a pound venison roast out of the freezer and I did a red wine braise on it. So basically, it was like a cup and a half of red wine and garlic and thyme. And then you reduce that on the oven. Uh, and then in a separate pan, you cut your venison up and sear it. And then throw a bunch of like celery, carrots, cucumber, or celery, carrots, and just other like stew type stuff. Yep. And then you saute those. You throw it all together. Um, and then throw that sucker in the oven at like three, I think it was like 350 for like two or three hours pulled it out and holy crap i mean it's just like melt in your mouth uh super fork tender awesome way to do uh venison just gives it a totally different flavor than smoking totally different flavor than the crock pot um just something different to try would do again totally recommend another one is that first day first day i got that smoker i took another like one 1.2 pound roast um i did a dry brine in the fridge so i basically did equal parts salt and sugar i massaged it all over the meat left it in a pan just right in the threw it right in the fridge uh the recipe said about two days per pound 
So I did like two and a half days of it sitting in the brine in the fridge. And then I rinsed it off, dried it off, left it in the fridge for another half a day to dry out to get that smoke to stick a little better. And threw it in the smoker, 185, 190 for two and a half hours. Internal temp was 130. Brought it in, sliced it super, super thin, almost like lunch meat. And it tasted like the best roast beef you've ever had in your life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that sounds really good. Those are my two. I also did a wet brined one, but I really like the dry brines a lot better because I get that harder, crustier outside. The wet brine just kind of just still felt a little raw, even though it was fully cooked. Just the outside yeah. didn't get that nice crusty crispness to it that I wanted. Yeah. So uh, those are my two favorites that I've done recently. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll touch on um, two of mine. One is uh, involves a smoker. So for Christmas, I made an appetizer, and it was just kind of my own concoction. Um, so I took a – it was about a three-pound venison roast, eh, maybe two-pound uh, venison roast off the hindquarter. Um, and I took that. Uh, I brined mine in a, uh, a brown sugar and whiskey, um, brine. So some Evan Williams, which I diluted down about, uh, I would say, uh, three parts water to one part, uh, whiskey and, uh, probably half a cup of brown sugar and, uh, let that, you know, sit in, uh, probably about 36 hours, let it sit in there. That, and then, is that the only two ingredients? No salt or nothing? Nope. Didn't salt it. Nothing. Just sugar and uh, whiskey and water. Um, and I let it brine in there. And I think a little bit of black pepper. And uh, I uh, let that sit in there for, you know, about 36 hours. So it wasn't long. I was kind of time constrained. So I would have done it longer. But Christmas was coming up and I had to get it ready. Um, but then I smoked it uh, for about six hours. Uh, and in the water tray, in the smoker, um, I did the same thing about, uh, three parts water to one part whiskey in the water, uh, over a Jack Daniels hickory barrel, uh, uh, wood chips. And, um, so it had a real oak whiskey flavor to it, but I put it in for about six hours at about 165, I think, or 175, um, and let it slow cook in there. So it was a, a wet brine, put it in there, pulled it out. Just like you said, put the, had the meat thermometer in there. I was tracking it all day. Uh, got it up to right about 135, pulled it out. I cut it into slices. So I sliced it into strips and they're real noodly strips. Um, and then I made a, a horseradish mayonnaise and uh some uh, it was like uh, some italian seasonings i made a dip and the horseradish i used you can only get from one spot in the entire country it's from smuggler's bar or excuse me bootleggers bar in eagle river wisconsin this horseradish is so hot it would it can actually kill you like i'm not kidding you it is the hottest thing i've ever had in my entire life <laughs> um so I used that horseradish, a little bit mayo, a little bit of Italian seasoning, made this dip. I swear to God, I put this out at the table at Christmas. It was gone within 10 minutes. <laughs> Everybody went nuts on this thing. It was delicious little strips. You just take a dollop of that, put it on your plate, just dip them in there like little chicken strips. 
holy hell was it amazing. So that was my venison one. And then I was fortunate enough to over winter break as a Christmas gift from a family friend of mine. Um, I was able to procure about uh, six pounds of uh, moose. And uh, a couple nights ago, I made a, uh, a moose skillet. And so I took, uh, it was about a pound, pound and a half of, uh, of moose meat, ground moose meat, um, a rack of, uh, half a rack of bacon. I diced up the bacon, put it in there, heated up the bacon, got it, you know, nice and uh, borderline crispy, threw the, uh, threw the moose meat in there, got that close to, uh, close to cooked. And then I threw in uh, uh, some mushrooms, uh, green onions, some uh, diced um, uh, yellow on- or what would you call them? Yellow peppers, like the mini peppers. I diced those up put those in there, just let it, you know, cook on low heat for about an hour after everything was cooked, let all the flavor get in there and a uh, little bit of garlic uh, diced up and then some salt and pepper. And uh, I was giving that out to everyone. And, oh man, that was, that was delicious. I just finished it off yesterday. I finished the last, the last leftovers yesterday, man. Oh man. If you haven't had moose, it's great. It's almost like bison or like really, really good grass fed beef is what it tastes like. Yeah, good stuff. Let me ask you too, though, with your uh, when you gave it to your family, I have some people in my family that are like this. But um, is there anybody that just started eating it, and then if you were to tell them that it was venison, they would start saying "ew"? Um, no, not really. A lot of my family is, uh, if they're not outdoorsy, they're pretty open to uh, to eating whatever. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I told everyone it was venison, and they were down to to eat away. So it was it was real good. Yeah, that's good. I just have a few people on my side of the family that they'll they'll down it, say, "Oh my gosh, that's the best thing I ever had," and then they say, "What was it?" And you tell them, and then they say, "It was never mind. That was the grossest thing I ever had." Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. But yeah, so uh, maybe that'll be a reoccurring thing as we could talk about a recipe that we did each week. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that maybe, or, you know, once a month, something like that we could, or even we could do a short, we could start doing shorts on just cooking. Um, but yeah, I think that covers everything. Zach, was there any uh, closing remarks that you wanted to add for this week's episode? Um, not really. Get out and go trapping if you can, or, kill something and eat it if you can and just uh keep being sexy yes keep being sexy so uh yeah for me i'd say uh stay out in the woods enjoy winter as much as you can and uh, last but not least definitely hit us up follow us on instagram we're at between two pines on insert between two pines pod on instagram um follow us on spotify itunes whatever else we're on just about every uh carrier of podcasts cast and box then, i'm a big fan of cast box yeah big up to cast box sponsor us um, <laughs> but uh if you are a professional in the field or maybe you just have some good stories let us know we want to definitely uh uh 2020 is going to be the year of the interview and we want to get some people to interview and start talking on the podcast and uh, we're going to make that happen for 2020 so stay out there And uh, as Zach said, stay sexy. Three, two, one. We're close. Okay. We're good. All right. That was good.
Yeah, that was a good one. Closed at 22.40 on second section. But yeah, dude, I see, dude, I made that venison as good as fuck. Yeah, that sounded good. Yeah, I would say, honest to God, start and get yourself a cheap bottle of whiskey, like Evan Williams or something like that. Like, Evan Williams has got a real oaky taste to it. It's not good drinking whiskey, but it's real good for smoking stuff. Yeah, I uh, I saw in my smoker manual it had, like, different uh, suggestions doing whiskey or pineapple juice and bunch of different shit like that so i'm definitely wanting to try a bunch of that and the thing is is from what i've read is the alcohol really helps tenderize the meat because it could get in there better than like water okay so, i don't know if that you know if you're looking for a brine I, I but you know how much is that i think there's so many different things that go into it but yeah apparently the alcohol could penetrate or help penetrate the meat better when you're brining it okay sure I know a lot of guys get real picky, like, especially with sous vide, but in marinades in general, because I don't think technically flavors really get past the skin. So, like, marinades are basically just making this flavor on that little micrometer of the skin. But uh, besides salt... But, yeah, I still like to mix as much shit as possible (laughs) and make it seem like I know I'm something that people don't yeah no that's what i I was looking when i made that uh that skillet it actually called for a a red wine reduction but i didn't have any red wine and it was i don't know it was like a weird i was like ah, that doesn't actually sound too good on this but now you're kind of leaning me towards maybe doing uh doing that i liked it it was really good um the only thing i think i just screwed up a little bit on was i put it in too big of a vessel into the oven so it evaporated a lot quicker. So it came out. It, the texture and stuff was great. It just came out like really, really dark. And there was no moisture left. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was still a little more moisture. So either a smaller bowl, maybe so the liquid didn't you, spread out as much or just or a little a bit sooner. It. Or you put a lid on it. Yeah, I thought about that too. But yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, I've definitely got more into the cooking of wild game, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying, I, I'm going to get out ice fishing this weekend. I got to work, well, Friday is what I'm going to have to do. I'm actually, Josh Keller is going to be up in point and I might go fishing with him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, um, you know what? I did cover that, Brian. It wasn't that tight of a seal though. I don't know. Or that braise, but huh. I don't know. It was. I I think I just reduced it too much. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I would look, dude, smoking stuff is like, dude, get different types of chips. My dad, like I've bought, you know, you get discount chips, you know, just look in the aisle or even online, like you get the, they're chopped up Jack Daniels barrels that you could use for smoking. Yeah. I, I know I've seen them in like Bass Pro and stuff. Yeah. I got some pecan once, and I walked outside, and it almost smelled like syrup or something. It was really good smelling. Damn, I'll have to try that, too. Yeah, like, uh, I've I've been wanting to try, and I may just do it on an actual roast, just like a roast beef. It's like I've seen maple syrup recipes where you smoke it, and you just cover it in maple syrup, and the, the maple syrup caramelized and makes it super crusty. Ooh, that sounds good. 
Yeah. I know this last recipe we added a bunch of molasses to the wet brine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, that'd be good too. But, but uh, yeah. I, I think, I think what my favorite's going to end up being is that just salt sugar cure, because it like is just real simple, like hamming. Yeah. And well, it's just good. Well, are you using white sugar or brown sugar? White. Try brown sugar because that's got a little bit of molasses. That's how they make brown sugar. Brown sugar. Well, that's what molasses. we did in the wet brine is brown sugar, molasses, and then a bunch of other like soy sauce, Worcestershire, a yeah. bunch of other shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds good. I mean, they the flavor, of- I just, the flavor wasn't there. The recipe said 12 to 24 hours. We did like 22 hours and I, I don't know. I just need to do it more maybe past what the recipe says. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is too, is maybe just pour it on top before you smoke it, you know, coat it in that, like put it on thick and then smoke it. Maybe it'll get in as it heats up and those, you know what I mean? As it dries up, it's just through osmosis, it'll suck it into the meat. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, man, I, I made some good stuff. But oh, I got a, uh, so my buddy at work, I traded him that elk call that I bought at, um, at uh, Plano. I traded him a couple pounds of moose meat and that elk call for a ice, uh, a gas ice auger, um, and a tree stand. Really? Yeah. That's so a pretty good deal. Gonna, yeah, pretty well. He said he's like, he's been talking about giving them to me. I was like, no, nah, dude, I'm not gonna like take them from you. Let me give you some stuff for him. Um, but uh, yeah, the tree stands. Uh, I mean, it's a uh, it's a it's um it's not a climber. It's just an actual. Like, hang on yeah it's a hang on but it's a nice one it's got a little seat and a stand you know it's a it's a nice little stand oh yeah just get some uh what do they call them like they're just those little ladder rings yep exactly that's all i gotta go and buy but yeah i'm really excited to use that next year for i'm actually thinking about using it for turkey next year yeah yeah hunting turkey from a from above i don't know i'll see but um yeah, and then I got, uh, like I said, that auger. I got all sorts of hunting shit, but yeah, I want to get out and get some ice fishing in. Yeah, I'm going to the tournament next weekend, so I'll be able to talk about that quite a bit, too. Yeah, and that's an ice fishing tournament? Yep, Yellow Bass Ice Fishing Tournament. And where's it at? Northwest Iowa. I did it last year. Yeah, that's what you're telling me, yeah. We yeah. got ten. We got tenth out of sixty-five or something. And I'd never stepped foot on that lake before in my life. Damn, that's pretty good. It's just your he- it's your heaviest thirty yellow bass. Damn. I think we caught like three hundred that in like <laughs> seven hours. Jesus. Um. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's a good way to take care of yellow bass. Um. And do you throw them back, or do you just throw them on the ice? uh i brought a bunch back i love eating those things but the stuff that nobody wanted there was a bunch of mungs there that took all of them <laughs> like seriously they they parked next to the weigh-in and they said if you don't want them throw them into this truck bed because we'll eat them and the truck bed was like mountaining over top <laughs> of the over the top of the sides jesus that's crazy yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I want to get out, but yeah, tomorrow I'm gonna to go snowboarding, and then uh, yeah, I'll see. I got to get my snowmobile running. I got to get this ice auger running. That's I, I don't fucking fuck, but 
million things to do, no hours, not enough hours in the day, you know? Story of my life. <laughs>